Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. Today, we will be discussing the hugely popular psychological thriller, The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. Before we get into it, let's talk about caffeine because it's been a long ass week. Heather, are you drinking caffeine tonight? Um, I'm hydrating. There's never anything wrong with hydrating. (laughs) I have some nice boring water. (laughs) Listen, water is our life support, okay? It's not boring. Yes, and I am getting over a cold, so I have to hydrate as much as possible. We support it. I am also hydrating in not my usual way. I have a mm-hmm. tea because I have a little mm-hmm. a little tickle in my throat. So I've got a nice English breakfast blend, which is fitting because our author lives in London and this book is set in London, I think. Now now I I'm doubting myself. <laughs> so too. I'm pretty sure you are correct. We're gonna go with it. Don't add yes. us. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Alex Michaelides. Yes, I googled the pronunciation. So don't come for me. Come for Google. He was (laughs) born in Cyprus, which is a small like island slash country in the Middle East. It's mostly Turkish, but it has a huge Greek population. And he lived there until he was 18. And he left to go to university. So he has a master's in English literature, and a master's in screenwriting. And Mm. He, I feel like this is such a common thing, but he credits Agatha Christie as spiking his love for books and for writing and also Greek tragedy and Greek Greek mythology. So in Cyprus, all of that is commonplace, like in school, the same way that we hear, we learn about Edgar Allan Poe or Shakespeare. They learn about Greek tragedy, Greek mythology in all of their, you know, all of their curriculums. So between that and Agatha Christie, he realized that he really wanted to get into writing. But first, he tried a few different career paths. Didn't work out. Acting, screenwriting. Then he decided, <laughs> hey, maybe I should be a therapist. Big jump. Oh, Big no. jump. So he started studying therapy in grad school. And he worked at a secure psychiatric facility for teenagers in London. There it is. London. I knew it. It. It's there. So... Ultimately, he decided school just wasn't for him. So he didn't finish studying therapy. He left to focus on writing. All of this to say, at age 36, he finally sat down and he was going to write his first novel. And he wanted to write a detective novel, a detective novel, Agatha Christie style. But he realized that he knew absolutely nothing about detectives and a whole (laughs) lot about psychotherapy, allegedly. Hence, the idea for The Silent Patient was born. (laughs) And it's funny because you can tell in reading this, and then we we had read his second book, The Maidens, he loves Greek shit. Oh, yeah. He loves Greek mythology. It's heavily influential Greek. Oh, yeah. And we'll get into that because it is a prevalent theme in this book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So regarding this book specifically, it was released in 2019, and it was his debut novel, which is so wild to me because of how much it took off. It sold over 6.5 million copies worldwide in 51 different countries. That's kind of wild. Obviously, as a New York Times bestseller, a Sunday Times bestseller, it was the number two most sold fiction book on Amazon in 2019. 
And it also won the Goodreads Choice Award for Best Mystery and Thriller for that year. It also has, like, a bunch of other awards, but, like, you get the idea. Um, Mm -hmm. And in 2019, they announced that they would be making The Silent Patient into a movie, which I didn't know. Okay. But that was literally four years ago, and there's been zero updates (laughs) since then. So I'm not sure how committed they are to that idea. (laughs) But Brad Pitt's production company is actually one of the companies who decided to adapt it into a film. So I don't know, someone call Brad Pitt and find out what's going on. How are we, how are we making this into a movie? How are we doing the twist? I don't know. Be right back. I have one speed up. <laughs> Imagine. Okay. So here is our little summary for the book. It was pretty much the same everywhere. So I'm reading directly from my cover flap of my, oh. my hardcover copy. I have my hardcover copy. Look out. Look at us. <laughs> Okay, so Alicia Berenson's life is seemingly perfect. A famous painter married to an in-demand fashion photographer, she lives in a grand house overlooking a park in one of London's most desirable areas. One evening, her husband Gabriel returns home late from work, and Alicia shoots him five times in the face and then never speaks another word. Alicia's refusal to talk or give any kind of explanation turns a domestic tragedy into something far grander a mystery that captures the public imagination and casts Alicia into notoriety. The price of her art skyrockets, and she, the silent patient, is hidden away from the tabloids and spotlight at The Grove, a secure psychiatric unit in North London. Criminal psychotherapist Theo Faber is captivated by Alicia's story and jumps at the opportunity to work with her. His determination to get her to talk and unravel the mystery of why she shot her husband takes him down a path more unexpected more terrifying than he ever imagined. A search for the truth that threatens to consume him. Shocking, thought-provoking, and deeply twisted, The Silent Patient is a spellbinding psychological thriller about violence, obsession, and the dark side of passion. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I had such major FOMO because everyone like read this book and I hadn't read it. I didn't read it for the first time until last year. Yeah, I didn't realize it came out that long ago. Yeah, and I remember people in book club are always talking about mm-hmm. it. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I just never, never did. And I finally did. And I just remember having like such bad FOMO because this book blew up. Yeah, like huge. People were obsessed with it. And it's crazy that it blew because it blew up during COVID. Yes. But it came out. It must have come out in early 2019 because by the end of the well, year, they had already optioned it for the movie oh it actually doesn't have the year oh yes it was published february 2019 yeah so super early okay so yeah it must have not really taken off until well i feel like most books don't take off initially it takes time especially as you have to have debut a debut author yeah people eventually will read it It might not be an initial yeah and then especially with like tiktok blowing up and covid and stuff like that it was Mm -hmm. obviously going to make its rounds so yes. before we start talking about it, quick trigger warning, um, lots of talk of suicide, murder, psychotic episodes, violence, etc. So this entire book is written in two points of view, one from Theo and one from Alicia, which is actually through her journals. So Alicia's journals, we'll talk a little bit about those. I'm sure we'll come back to them. But through the journals, we find out that a man has been stalking Alicia and no one believes her basically because her husband is a douche and he thinks that she's just making things up for attention. So he says that she needs to be medicated and she'll 
literally do anything to keep him happy. So she says she'll take the medicine. But meanwhile, she pretends to take it and decides that she has to stay hypervigilant because of her stalker. Mm -hmm. So obviously the reason this book is so popular and also so polarizing is the big twist. (laughs) So we're going to talk about the twist first because it completely reframes the rest of the story and then we can get into the characters and the themes. But fair warning, if you haven't read the book, hit the pause button, go read it, and then come back because we're spoiling it all. Okay? Yeah. Still with us? Great. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So the twist. Basically, in a final journal entry of Alicia's, we find out that the stalker that she kept seeing was real and it was Thea, the therapist. Mm-hmm. So the book is actually written in dual timelines. So the experiences that he's having with his wife are six years prior before Gabriel's death. And Theo finds out that his wife, Kathy, is cheating with Gabriel. And he says he doesn't mean to stalk Alicia, but he just becomes obsessed with her because she's in the same position as him. Like her spouse is cheating on her and he wonders if she knows and if maybe she's okay with it and if maybe he should be okay with it. And then he decides that she deserves to know. So instead of just slipping a note in her mailbox, stopping her (laughs) on the street, sending a carrier pigeon, he buys a bunch of kidnapper tools and he holds Alicia hostage until Gabriel gets home. Then he ties them up back to back and forces Gabriel to decide who gets to live. You already know this is going to end well. Gabriel chooses himself. And Theo Mm -hmm. pretends to kill Alicia, then just leaves the gun at her feet and walks out. So let me stop there. What what did you think of this? (laughs) Were you expecting it? What were your initial thoughts? Well, Theo is a certified creep. That's an understatement. Please go on. (laughs) (laughs) I, I will say that I was surprised by the twist and that... I didn't realize it was dual timeline in the story. Okay. After reading it. So I didn't. So like when you first begin the book, how it starts, it seems like it's all present day. Right. Right. Until you get up to the twist and then you realize, oh, those scenes regarding Theo and his wife were actually six years ago. And they weren't present time. So that I could appreciate. Because it was seamless. It was like. Yeah. Basically those chapters about his wife were were written so that it was like oh when he went home from work this is what he was experiencing with his wife at the same time that Mm -hmm. he was working during the day yeah and then obviously i reread it for the podcast Mm -hmm. and i was able to see the things that i should have noticed the first time i read it but obviously you don't realize that when it's this kind of book Mm -hmm. and so i could appreciate that and i thought the writing it was it flowed very nicely but then the twist I just, I hated it. Hated it. I really hated it. And it was kind of, I was so perplexed when I first read it because people were so, were talking so highly of this book and how the twist was mind blowing Mm -hmm. and it completely changed everything and blah, blah, blah. And I got to the twist and I was kind of disappointed Mm -hmm. and it was just weird. All of it was just weird. Yeah. now... You know, because now, like, you're talking about this dude in this book who's supposed to be helping a 
mental health advocate mm-hmm. when he clearly has mental health issues himself. Yeah. Oh, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Don't you worry. You, you know, and it's like that's why. And he just and he thinks he's like a martyr, and that he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's kind of really screwed up that the whole basis of the book is him trying to see if Alicia remembers yeah. him. Or she remembers what happens. And like that's so he's just very controlling and it's just I don't Yeah. No. That's why no. I don't know if all of this hype was actually about the twist in the story itself, or was it just that everyone was so shocked because because then it comes up on these like TikTok recommendations like the you know, the most surprising twist that it doesn't say the best book. It's just like, which one were you really not expecting? And I could say I really wasn't expecting. No, I can definitely appreciate that. It was a shocking yeah. twist. What I did. But it doesn't make it good. <laughs> exactly. What I did like about it is that tech is that Theo isn't the killer. So that would be like the predictable twist, but he basically lights the fire, puts some gas on that fire then walks away and leaves Alicia to either put the fire out or burn her fucking life to the ground. So like, I did like that part that because in, in the book, as you're reading the, it kind of toys with is Alicia really the killer and people close to her don't believe that she really killed him, even though, you know, we'll talk about how he was found, whatever, but all along, that's not what's up for debate. It's the why that's up for debate. So that's why I kind of like that. I mean, he obviously wasn't innocent in any of it, but the fact that he just set her up with this, like, impossible choice, and then she just acted on it. And we'll we'll get to yeah. his, his decision. But then I, but, but it's also, <clears throat> the only problem I have with that is that he also was psychologically messing with her by stalking her. Oh, 1000%. And then... He held her captive for hours mm-hmm. before Gabriel comes home, and that's gonna mess up, mess you up mentally. Mm-hmm. And she already has a precondition of being mentally mm-hmm. ill. So, not that I know that he, not that we, it's known if he knows that or anything. Right. But he definitely needs to be held responsible. Yeah, like these are it. two mentally ill people. In, yeah, like because even though, because even though he didn't, he wasn't the one that ultimately killed Gabriel. He still made he still created a situation wherein alicia had to kind of choose her path because number one she finds out that her husband has been cheating on Mm -hmm. her she didn't know Mm -hmm. that he doesn't want to save her over himself Mm -hmm. he's very selfish he wants to save himself and it's just a total it has to be a total mind fuck for her oh he completely set up that like i said he 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 lit the fire he completely lit yeah, the like fire. Yeah, like he may not, like he may not have pulled the trigger and like, fiz- you know, to kill him, but he definitely is the reason that right. he's dead. And you have to think because Alicia was Alicia and Gabriel's relationship; she was so devoted to him. If she did find out that he was cheating, would she have killed him? Probably not. She no, she, she would have forgiven. She definitely him. would have tried. Yeah, mm-hmm. or like she would have suggested therapy. She would have tried to fix her relationship because she was very dependent of Gabriel. One, yeah, one thousand percent. And yeah, well, I come back to that in a little bit, like just about her history too of you know her history of mental illness. But all right, so let's talk a little bit about Alicia. So she obviously gets convicted of killing her husband, 
because she did, uh, the police found him bound with five shots to the face and Alicia standing near him with her wrists viciously slashed. She never speaks again, even to defend herself, but she does create one last art piece, a self-portrait titled Alcestis. Alcestis, yes, that is it. (laughs) Ultimately, she's found guilty and she goes to the Grove, the psychiatric facility where Theo works or ends up working to work with her. And we find out that she had a very rough childhood. She had a history of mental illness. Her mother died by suicide by crashing her car with Alicia inside. And Alicia wonders if her mother wanted her to die also. And then we find out that her remaining parent, her dad, blames her for her mother's death and wishes that she died instead. And so she's forced to live with her horrible aunt who she doesn't get along with. And she escapes the first chance that she gets. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the book, she attempts suicide several more times. She turns to violence several times with Theo and with other patients at the Grove. So she's like hanging on to her sanity by a thread, by a a piece of floss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) More or less. Any other thoughts about alicia just generally i one thing i didn't like about so this had this was obviously reflected in her journals i didn't like how hell-bent gabriel was on her being on medication Mm -hmm. and him almost being like a dictator of her life and forcing her to see this doctor and then the doctor and then the doctor not believing her either. And like it was just kind of find out nobody sketchy yeah. doctor under the table. Oh, I know. Official. Yeah. And so it was in it's it was almost upsetting to read because it's a poor representation of how to handle someone's mental health. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's like a it's a controlling relationship mm-hmm. and just because someone might be mentally ill doesn't mean they need to be put on medication. Absolutely, it's not. That's not always the answer. And that was the only and, answer. That and keeping and a Gabriel journal. just yeah. And Gabriel just kind of constantly made her feel guilty. But Alicia didn't. She couldn't recognize mm-hmm. that. She couldn't recognize that he was making her feel guilty because she just wanted to keep him happy. Yeah. Because he. And they come to find out the dude. The dude is fucking somebody oh, else. And so like it's, regularly, it's just the whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> And now that I'm, like, talking about it, too, and it's just, this author is just so misogynistic, and I can't stand it. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Gabriel, because we're we're talking Mm -hmm. about him a little bit. So we only hear about him from other people's points of view, obviously, because he's dead. Um, But basically, complete asshole. Super controlling, charming, but in a very manipulative way. And we find out that no one in Alicia's life likes Gabriel none of her friends not like just no one the neighbors no one likes Gabriel because they can all see how controlling he is mm-hmm. and she will just do anything to make him happy because she's spent her entire life feeling so alone and feeling abandoned and then Gabriel finally gives her that that feeling of being loved and that feeling of being quote-unquote appreciated even though he's treating her like shit but she would literally do anything for him because she sees it as unconditional love, Mm -hmm. which is so heartbreaking and such a, such a toxic relationship, whether she had mental health issues or not, like just the fact of she would literally like, he says jump and she says how high, like that's how 
how much he ruled the relationship. And they were both successful people. Like they were both artists. They were both like she had a, she had built a life of her own. She didn't feel fulfilled, but she still was her own person. And then he kind of took that away from her through the relationship. Yeah. And I think for her, it was probably she finally thinks she found somebody that like loves her and cares about her. When obviously growing up, like you said, her relationship with her father was strained. Mm -hmm. She was stuck living with an aunt that was abusive Mm -hmm. and mentally and everything. So, and she, her mom killed herself. So she finally finds somebody that she probably thinks is a good thing for Mm -hmm. her. But realistically, he's not. But she doesn't know any different. She has no qualifications to to base it on anything else. And so she thinks it's good. As far as we know, she's never been in any type of real therapy. She's only gone to this doctor who just prescribed her medication and got a freaking journal. Mm -hmm. So she can't recognize the fact that all of her relationships have been emotionally manipulative and, you know, can't see that in Gabriel. She just sees someone that loves her and thinks that that's enough when obviously it's yeah, not. Yeah, because even like her friendship with the with, with John Felix, like it's it's the same mm-hmm. thing. It's very one-sided. Mm-hmm. It's all of her relationships in this novel are one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk about John Felix because <sighs> let's, let's jump to him. So technically, Alicia's best friend, but mm-hmm. they have a strained relationship because he hates Gabriel and he hates that he has to share alicia basically Mm -hmm. and gabriel thinks and puts it in alicia's head that john felix is in love with her but the reality is just that she starts getting fame from her art and it's the art that he's in love with he's basically a huge narcissist which 90 percent of the characters are in this book there is there's Mm -hmm. one one character that my dude alex knows how to write and it's a narcissist Oh, yeah. So he thinks that he's entitled to Alicia's time and attention and her art just because they've been friends for a while. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I mean, we can both attest to this. This is a real thing that happens in friendships. Like, length of friendship oh, yeah. is not equivalent to quality of friendship. No. <laughs> and especially when you bring in the theme of fame mm-hmm. and jealousy and envy. Once Alicia becomes this famous artist, he doesn't care about her anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he cares about her fame. He cares about her art. He wants to be the art curator. He wants to, he wants his gallery to be the one to showcase her. So he's only keeping up with this friendship for his own benefits, his own benefits. Mm -hmm. It's only beneficial for him. It's not benefit. It's not a beneficial relationship for Alicia. But again, she can't see that because she's it's almost it's a relationship for her to once again just hang on to because she doesn't have anything else and again she has nothing to base it off of she hasn't been part of it like i think it's a jealousy thing too with john felix because oh yeah she relies on people so she relied on john felix's friendship and then once she had gabriel now she can rely on gabriel she doesn't need john felix as much so mm-hmm. he's like, well, why don't you need me anymore? And if you don't need me, then you're going to take your art away. And then I'm not going to. So it's like all of it goes together. And he keeps saying that it's under the guise of like, we've been friends for so long, when really it's it's such a more complex dynamic than that. And they mm-hmm. don't have a real friendship. They don't. 
They really, really don't. Because again, I, I believe she writes in her journals about that, how she'll try it. The conversation always comes back to like her art or, or her. It's, it's never, there's never any really true meaningful conversation yeah. it's all superficial yeah and it's all and then she realizes that so she does she like it's at the she towards the end of their relationship and before the the murder of gabriel she does cut ties with him That's because true. she realizes that it's not she she comes to the terms of the fact that and it, i mean it was gabriel obviously putting the thoughts in her head about mm-hmm. it but at least, at least one thing he did right yeah. i guess yeah but, but it, it's that she does get a little bit of self-awareness she does. And she realizes that this relationship, it's one way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about it is beneficial for her. It doesn't bring her joy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring her anything good. Mm-hmm. So. And it's messing with her art because she feels this obligation yeah. to perform and to have these pieces ready for his gallery so that he can show them and all this stuff. And it's like, she doesn't want that to be the basis of their friendship. But then she's like, if that's gone, there is no friendship. Yeah, and, like, the dude claims this friendship with her and this caring for her, but, like, he never visited her when she was in the hospital either. So it's just, again, it's, like you said, narcissist, 100%. And that's how, I mean, when Theo is, we'll we'll get to Theo, but when Theo is just running amok, that's why John Felix comes up as possibly a suspect, and he's a little little yeah. herring in there because he never did go and visit her, and he's supposed to be her best friend, and you know all all of this stuff, and he's kind of a little bit sketchy. And were were they fighting right before she killed Gabriel? And it kind of leaves all this open. So he's you know mm-hmm. in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, there's another sketchy character. So we got to talk about Theo. We, I I got <laughs> I got a lot to say. I mean, if we must. <sighs> Okay, so Theo is a psychotherapist because he himself had a rough childhood and he feels that he was saved by his therapist, which sounds like a wholesome start. I love it. He says, and I quote, we're all crazy, I believe, just in different ways, which like I agree with. I I do Mm -hmm. agree with that. But Theo on the, the opposite end of the spectrum of crazy, like my dude is crazy. So... I know. I actually, I actually think I, I highlighted something too about him, like choosing his profession, because like he says in the book that he, the real motivation was purely selfish. I was on a quest to help myself. I believe the same is true for most people who go into mental health. We are drawn to this profession because we are damaged. We study, we study psychology to heal ourselves. Whether we are prepared to admit this or not is another question. Okay, I just need to say that I was on Goodreads doing my research for this episode and you know there's like a part where the most highlighted passages are there and the author can respond to them so the author alex michaelides responded to that passage that you just read Mm. and said that he honestly believes that that's why most therapists get into therapy or become therapists because they're trying to help themselves and he's like, well, I don't know if most therapists would admit that, but that's why most therapists get into the field. It's not necessarily to help other people. It's like to help themselves. And I was like, that's an interesting take. It is. And I actually can, I I can see some, some fact to that. I can see some fact to it. Yes, I agree. Because yes. I mean, everyone says like, even your therapist needs a therapist. Like everyone needs a therapist, well, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, and as as someone or as you know, two women that are constantly trying to figure out or navigate our mental health mm-hmm. in our in our life, it I I will fully admit I've thought about going into psychology countless times throughout my uh-huh. my life as as a career because there's so much to learn and in learning how to help other people, you also ultimately are learning how to help yourself. Yes, I 100% agree. And I I think that, I mean, same thing I've considered, you know, that same field, because it's, it's fascinating. And Mm -hmm. it is such a way to help other people. The thing that I thought was weird is that he wrote a book about a therapist like Theo, and then like doubled down. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like, you what you're saying is right. But don't say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Theo is not that, like I said, it's, it sounds like a great start, but, you know, so that's how we're introduced to him. But then he has an obsession with finding Alicia, which we don't know why until the big twist. But he says mm-hmm. it's because he sees similarities to his own life and he believes that he's the only one who can really help her. But this man is not a therapist in the traditional sense of the word. He is a full-on investigator. Full-on. <laughs> Visiting and harassing her family and friends, exploring every aspect of her life, mm-hmm. and doing all of that under the guise of needing to find out info from other people because she doesn't speak. So he's like, yeah. I would never do this with another client of mine, but she can't speak. So I have to track down her childhood home and talk to... Like, it, it's it's too much. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's his therapy side. And then we find out that his personal life hasn't really improved much since his shitty childhood. So he, the same way as Alicia, he finds his wife who completely changes his life, love of his life. He can't figure out how he lived without her. She completes him. They like, he's just like, this is what I've wanted my entire life. Even though I had like this horrible upbringing, everything is worth it because I got my baby girl, Kathy. But even like their meeting was so problematic. Yeah, because they were both with other people. <laughs> with other people. And they they didn't even like like flirt and then get together a week later. They literally fought with their significant others and then went home and slept together. Yeah, it was just. <sighs> but it, it okay. was because it was it was meant to be. And it mm-hmm. was so meant to be that Kathy starts cheating on him. like. And it was so meant to be that he changes himself too for her. Like he stops smoking pot because she thinks it's gross. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. oh my God. I And then when she confronts him about the pot and he knows that she's been cheating on him and he's just like, I'm sorry, I will not smoke again. I wanted to slap the shit out of him. I know. And that's like what bothers me too is because he's so, he's very, 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 very similar to Joe Goldberg from you. Oh. Because okay. he doesn't, he can't be confrontational with the women that he's into, but he'll do shady shit behind their back. And literally kill people and or, oh, and he does the yeah. whole rationalization thing, which Joe from yes. totally does too and says like, yes. but I want to help you. And like, I'm looking out for you. And oh, you're onto something, Heather. And he just like, and he's like a voyeur, he's like, he's, you know, like a voyeur and watching 
or li- he can't watch them because it's dark in the woods, but he just like listens to yeah. like her having sex with Gabriel and he can hear her moans and he knows when she's about to orgasm and shit like that. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, like if, if, it's if I was in that stalker. situation and the love of my life was having an affair with somebody and I w- caught them in the act, I wouldn't just fucking hide myself in the woods and just act like it's not happening. Yes, and that's that's the thing. So he goes to see his old therapist, the one who saved his life, which like, wow, this is not a good ad for this therapist because, yeah, you know. So he goes to his old therapist for advice and she's like, you have to leave her. It's not healthy for you to be in another emotionally manipulative relationship based mm-hmm. on your upbringing. And he just buries his feelings he's like i'm gonna stay anyway because i love kathy and we're gonna figure it out and eventually i'm gonna confront her and then everything's gonna go back to normal and blah 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 and part two of the book so each part starts with a quote and part two of the book the quote is from sigmund freud unexpressed emotions will never die they are buried alive and will come forth later in uglier ways Mm -hmm. okay theo was this written about you (laughs) because we're festering yeah so then he tries to like justify his behavior with alicia by saying that he didn't go looking for her because he wanted to make sure that she kept quiet or to make sure that or to see if she recognized him or whatever it was because he really wanted to help her and he came there like to help her grieve out of a sense of guilt because he felt responsible which he was responsible but he doesn't say that he came there to cover his own ass, which is what he did because she recognized him. And once mm-hmm. she started talking, because at a point in this book, she gets her voice back, like just, just like nothing. And he had, he decided he had to kill her, even though he was just there to help her deal with her own emotions. He's like, Oh shit, this is all going to explode in my face. And now I'm realizing that me being, a super creepy weird stalker and buying kidnapping materials and holding her hostage is probably not a good look for me. So he injects her with the morphine and frames Christian. But that final journal entry from Alicia is the one that tells us that all of this happened because otherwise Mm -hmm. it just looks like another suicide attempt. And then he tries to pin it on Christian who he's been kind of like planting seeds about this whole time because we find out that Christian was the sketchy doctor who was giving her medication under the table, like as a favor to Gabriel. So it's like all convoluted. It's definitely like very interwoven Mm -hmm. to the, and almost to the point where you're like, you're doing too much. That that's what I'm saying. That's what that's because there's so many red herrings that it's almost too much. Like, it's like every person that they introduce into the book, you're like, okay, well, how is this person irresponsible or how are how are they important to the story mm-hmm. and realistically they're not important to the story at all uh, like, like for Max? instance oh my god that's what i was literally about to say this character number one the grossest character i've ever read about my entire life disgusting okay so max he basically brother, yeah yes who's in love with he alicia basically basically just is constantly handsy with her and tries to make moves on her and then gets mad when she wants to stick up for herself and be like, I'm going to tell Gabriel what you did. Mm-hmm. And and he's taking advantage of her because he knows that Gabriel won't believe her because Gabriel yeah. doesn't believe anything that Alicia says. He forces himself on her, kisses her behind Gabriel's back. Like, it is all 
so gross. And Mm -hmm. Theo just keeps going back to him and like confronting him and planting another seed that he's sketchy and he could have had something to do with it because he's just so in love with Alicia that he forced her to kill Gabriel. Like, I don't even know how that would play out, but it's still framed in that way that like Max is sketchy. Yeah, and here was my problem with these ancillary characters like John Felix and Max. They were left open-ended. There was no fucking conclusion for either of the characters. Mm-hmm. They just they're just gone. Mm-hmm. It's literally John Felix is at the prison the day that Alicia is um that he that he kills Alicia, but there's no and then he's just gone. He's literally And like the only like Theo yeah, Theo like remembers later on, "Oh, where did he go?" And yeah, then the yeah. same thing with Max. Max calls him and was like, I heard about Alicia. What happened? And there's just there's just no clarification. And it's there's no so closure. Dr- like, Max is like, oh, my God, with the love of my life, yeah. Alicia, you were supposed <laughs> to be taking care of her. And then John, John Felix. Okay, so they set up this whole thing with the art because Theo can't find the journal. And he knows that the journal yeah. is incriminating because Alicia showed him the journal. She, yeah. He doesn't know about the final journal entry where she says that Theo is the one who did the morphine but the whole point is she hid it in the back of a painting because she knew that john felix would want that painting to put up in the gallery so that's literally the whole book is the john felix's whole role in the book is to be sketchy and a shitty friend and a red herring and then at the end his like redeeming storyline is that he's the one who finds the journal but I also think she put it behind that painting because it was about Theo carrying her out of a burning building or, or whatever yeah. it was. And so and the final journal entry is about him. And I think that she she could recognize his own narcissism. Yeah. And that he probably wouldn't even think to look there for that final journal entry because he knows that there's something there. Yeah. That she wrote something. He knows that there's a missing entry that he yeah, needs to find. Yeah, he's looking for that for that journal. He knows that the journal's missing. And he does say that, like, oh, of course she would put it between behind the yes. one painting that I wouldn't look at or whatever. Yes. But I feel like they tried to to introduce that as like, well, of course it will be found because John Felix will be focused okay. on the art. I guess you know I actually didn't even that wasn't that was not a theory that even crossed my mind, but I could understand where, where, why you would come to that. Because then it's like he just shows up. What's well, I'm saying? Like there was just all these characters, like, like for instance, the the woman whose name Barbie. I can't remember. Well, no, that one. That was another one. That was oh. so. That was so. I was I'm like, how did you I'm forget gonna... Barbie? <laughs> no, she's stupid, and it wasn't. I meant the the other the other patient at the hospital that was like very violent. Oh, oh. Okay, I don't know. But yes. And again, I'm just like, you're not, he builds, he creates these characters and builds them up to a point and then just stops. Just leaves it. He doesn't, there's not enough. There's, it's just not enough. Yeah. And even like, that's why, I mean, we don't even have to talk about half of these characters because they're all introduced and they all have a role, but it has nothing to do with anything. Like Mm -mm. Elif, like you just said, that's the other patient. Yes, yes. And Yuri. The, Yuri, yeah, the one who works, who's the like nurse, a yeah, or huge like a kid. or orderly, right? Or yeah, like yeah, and like he loves Alicia, super, you know, an advocate for her, and then you find out that he's actually sketchy because he's selling drugs to Elif. Like, it just yeah. is all too much. There, there was, it was, there was just, there was so many, and I guess that that was his, the author's way of trying to throw the readers off 
the the trail of where he yeah. was going with it which okay fine great but which m- it worked m- until you got to the twist and realized that that's yeah. what he was doing you know what i mean and then it's because then you go back and as someone as as i reread it knowing what the, the twist is i was kind of like for instance the cousin needed money from Alicia. Why is that important? Literally not. Why is his gambling debt important? I like there was just all these like stupid which I understand you have to build a story. I completely understand that. But the way that he builds his story isn't it's just not cohesive. Yeah. I agree. It's with very that. all over the place. It's a it's a mess. Yeah. And it's I agree and with obviously that. the main character he did great I will admit the writing for like the main characters like Alicia and Theo in they their story was good, mm-hmm. but everything, it was the secondary characters and the secondary storylines that either weren't needed or they needed to be cleaned up a lot more than yeah, what they were. or tied up more. But there was too much yes. to be able to tie up. So exactly. That was the problem. And yeah. so it was just, it was just a hot mess. Yeah. So we don't even have to talk about the rest of the people. But let's talk about some themes, which we've already talked about a lot of this, but therapy is obviously mm-hmm. the main theme of, theme of this book. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole book, Theo reiterates how he believes that no one is born bad. Babies are just born as sponges and whatever environment they're born into, that's what shapes them, which I agree with. But as the story unfolds, it poses the question of whether people are inherently bad or if they can be redeemed or changed by therapy and intervention. So all along, Theo thought that he could deal with his difficult childhood and he could become a better person. And in turn, he could help other people because of that. But at the end, he realizes he's just a selfish asshole. And he he considers that maybe he was never capable of being saved. Like that last day where the cop shows up and is about to arrest him, he's like, wow, maybe I I really wasn't capable of, of changing. And which, by the way... It's been six years and he's still with Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like when they introduce her, I'm like, bro, you're still with this lady. And then he tries to like bring up like Alicia Berenson because he wants to like trigger her yeah. for Gabriel. And I'm like, you are just so he's he's just so fucked he up. He did all of this because because of what Kathy did to him. And in his mind, he thought that if he let whatever happen with Alicia and Gabriel happen, that his life with Kathy was going to go back to normal. And he's completely ignoring the fact that she would be grieving her lover, Mm -hmm. resenting Theo because the relationship was already rocky because he wanted to smoke some weed once in a while. It it just, it makes no sense. We're we're not, if you're thinking about getting into therapy, this book ain't it. Okay. (laughs) Another, I'm like backtracking a little, so I apologize, but Another thing that just popped into my head about the whole Kathy Gabriel Theo situation, those messages between Kathy and Gabriel were so graphic to the point that I was like, "Why? Why?" Yeah, you, they it was it was again too much. It was too much, and he's just he just listen. We read the Maidens, so I'm already biased about this author. I read this before I read the Maidens, but the way that he writes women is actually disgusting. I could not agree more. There, even like the the aunt. I know that she's supposed to be awful, mm-hmm. but like she's like just fat and disgusting, yeah. and she looks like she has tree trunks for legs. Like it's just so gross. And the way all the men do no wrong, mm-hmm. the women are are all these are all. And even terrible. when they do something wrong, it's like framed in a way. Like Max, who's literally disgusting, 
it's like he couldn't help himself because he loved Alicia so much. And then and then his wife or whatever knows about everything and she's still with him. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Anyways, sorry. So, God, I totally agree. All the women in this are just... It's, they either can't it's stand up on their own or they're horrible cheating liars or just whatever. Okay, so art and also expression. They talk about mm-hmm. art a lot because obviously Alicia is an artist. She's always expressed herself through art. And Gabriel was a photographer. So that's how they connected and related to each other. And we talked about how that's why G- um, John Felix is in her life. So basically, Alicia's whole life doesn't exist without her art. And after Gabriel's death, it's still the only way that she expresses herself. So mm-hmm. Gabriel encourages her to keep a journal to write down her feelings. And she does that, you know, just to keep him happy as another form of expression. But in the end, that's what exposes the tragedy. And in the end, her art is what exposes everything that happened. And we got to talk about Alcestis, the Greek tragedy. So Mm. this is the self-portrait that she did right in the aftermath of uh, Gabriel being killed She's not speaking, she's not defending herself, but she does this last last painting before she goes to the grove. So Alcestis, the Greek tragedy, is a story about some dude, Admetus. He's faced with death, but he's told that he can escape it by finding someone to sacrifice himself in his place. He has no family member willing to do it, but his wife, Alcestis, willingly sacrifices her life for his own, and he allows her to. He decides that living is better than dying, even if it means living without her, which great idea, buddy. And after Alcestis is brought back to life, but when she comes back, her anger is so immense that she never speaks again. Typical man, Admetus, pretends he's so happy that she's back and it all worked out. He's like, look, it's fine. We don't have to think about the fact that I made you die for me because look, it's fine. You're back. Like everything's cool. Mm And she's been so scorned and so betrayed that nothing will ever be the same. Mm -hmm. So first of all, what do you think of this story in general? This Greek tragedy? It's a powerful story. Yeah, I I agree. And like, you know, this, it just goes to show how selfless a woman can be for someone that they love and and not get it in return. mm -hmm. And also like expectations, because it's Mm -hmm. like, when she said that she was willing to die for him, there was probably that little expectation in the back of her mind that he wouldn't let her do it. Exactly. That he would be, no, I love you too much, or this is to live without my, you. Mm-hmm. I have to face this. This is what I did. And this is my, my, my punishment. Mm-hmm. But instead, like a typical dude, he's a coward. Like, oh, you want to fall on the sword for me? Cool. Cool. I really appreciate cool. that. That's awesome. Because I have, I have a better life to live than you would yeah because i'm a dude and yeah. you know dudes are definitely more superior than women yeah. so. and i'll like just find Thanks, another bro. wife because whatever because yes. that's also what men do yeah so what do you think we talked about a little bit but what do you think about this kind of crossover between greek mythology in the author's writing it was i mean it was interesting because obviously you so alicia has this obsession with this play before everything happens with gabriel mm-hmm. So it's obviously foreshadowing mm-hmm. and it's so it's it's a good indicator of, of what's to come without without even realizing what's to come, to right. be honest. Right. Because again, 
Alicia doesn't know that Gabriel's having an affair. She doesn't know. She wouldn't expect the situation to occur where Theo says, you need to choose. Gabriel says, do you want to live or do you want Alicia to live? Mm -hmm. And it's the same situation. He's sacrificing her over his own life Mm -hmm. because he wants to live. And so she dies, essentially, because he shoots the gun or whatever. But then, I mean, and that hearing that in self, hearing that how Gabriel's decision in its its entirety, I'm sure, also killed her part of her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's even, I think it may even be written. I can't recall. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so she becomes essentially the lead of this Greek tragedy. Her life becomes this Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. And so her silence is not surprising to me at all. Yeah. And it's that it's all about betrayal. Like this whole story Mm -hmm. is about betrayal because obviously Theo did all of this because Kathy betrayed him. And then there's the betrayal of Alicia by Gabriel, which, you know, leads to his death and her mental breakdown. But ultimately it's just so tragic because Alicia has been betrayed by every, every single person, every man in her life, every person, every every single person. person. She's had a history of untreated mental illness. She's completely wrapped up in Gabriel, couldn't live without him. So when he chose his own life over hers, she saw it as him emotionally, mentally, and even physically killing her because she does try to take her own life. Mm -hmm. And that that was the only part that I thought the, the cousin served was him saying the story about when... Alicia's father said, you know, you should have died instead of your mother. Yeah. And she looks at him and says, he just killed me. So like, she sees it as dying. Like they have Mm -hmm. killed her with their words, which she was already mentally fragile. So it kills her mentally. And she sees it as a, as a physical death. And I mean, that, that leads us into the meaning of the silent patient, which is because of that Greek tragedy. So Alicia didn't want to live after Gabriel condemned her with this decision, but she stays alive or comes back to life basically because, you know, she did try to enter and the same way as Alcestis did. And she's voiceless, but her silence is a message in itself because of the pain and of the rage. And not only was the pain too immense to put into words, but it was the only power that Alicia had was to stay mm-hmm. silent. So all along, people have been controlling her and betraying her. And she's had no, no, nothing of her own, you know, besides her art. And then when they want her to speak, her being silent shows that she can have that little bit of power over them. Mm-hmm. And that's the only power that a woman gets in this whole damn book. So... <laughs> Is to not fucking talk. You better soak it up. They said, you want to be powerful? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I can't. Do you have anything you want to add? Or should we get to this oh. rating? Oh, you want so to get to this was stuff? No, there was this. This is one part okay. that I thought. <laughs> and it just. Again, I guess this is like Joe Goldberg, Joe Goldberg vibes. Now that we're talking about it. But so there's a situation where Alicia is finally talking to Theo and they're walking around the grounds of the of the psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. and this is what he says this is this is what the author writes <clears throat> for a second i thought alicia was going to cry i fought a sudden desire to hold her take her in my arms 
kiss her, reassure her, promise her she was safe. I restrained myself. <laughs> I restrained myself. And I'm like... As if it was like a favor to... <laughs> and here's my problem, is that this character like essentially it. wants to help Alicia like it. to overcome her mental instability and get her to speak. Allegedly. And I know, I know. <laughs> and, you know, he's trying to help her and... But realistically, he's just a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. And now he, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, now he has this. And what's even like, and what, and what makes it even more screwed up is that that you you read this before you find out the twist, right? So then you find out the twist, and you're like, bro, this guy like is the reason why you're here. Number one, like he was stalking He's, you, yes, and tied and, you up and held you hostage. And now he wants to kiss you. He wants to reassure you. He wants to protect you. And it just makes zero sense. It's to written me. in a way that, like, that's what she would need. That's what she would want. And like, I restrained myself, and she lost out on my comfort because I restrained I just, myself. Uh huh. I don't like and it. I, I don't like it. No, no. And and again, it's in the situation where the way that this author <clears> writes <throat> is that men can do and take whatever they want. With no repercussions. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of disgusting and gross. Everybody read The Maidens and get back to us. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> yes. Because, but also don't. Also don't. I hate that book so much. So, okay. Let's let's jump to the rating. Because I, I still have a lot to say. But I gotta, <laughs> I gotta talk about the rating. Alright, so the rating scale is paintbrushes paint through an eyeball. Nice. You're welcome. Um, I struggled with my rating okay and i'm i'm gonna go on a little bit of a a little bit of a rant to explain my Mm -hmm. rating go for it so i gave it three and a half paintbrushes through the eyeball i didn't like how alicia got her voice back randomly with theo which like insinuated some type of trust when obviously it Mm -hmm. wasn't trust immediately after reading i did like the author's writing but then the more i thought about it all these characters are one-dimensional they're all trash, especially the women. And I know that that's partially because, like, we see them all through Alicia and Theo's eyes. But it makes me doubt whether the writing is has the ability to be any better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if that was mm-hmm. a conscious effort or if it's just bad writing. I yeah. also think, I think it's a very original story. So it gets a little bonus for that. And the one redeeming aspect is that like I said before, the twist wasn't something as typical as it might seem that Theo didn't kill Gabriel and he set Alicia up to make the decision and she chose based on her history and her inner uh, turmoil. So either way, I do think people should read it because I can see why people do like Uh it. But because we read so many books and because we've read such amazing writing and such not amazing writing it's like, it's very hard to read characters that are this underdeveloped, this just one dimensional, these women being written like this by especially by a male author, like it's just, it's just not enjoyable to me. So I think everyone should mm-hmm. read it because I want to talk to you about it. But do I think it's great? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> There's my rationalization. How many paintbrushes through the eyeball do you give it, Heather? Well, first off, I think your rationalization is pretty spot on. 
I think it's it makes a lot of sense. So when I first read this last year and I reflected back to my Goodreads, I had given this book four stars. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I didn't love the twist, but I had I did love the writing because you know I thought that it was really great. I thought that the writing was really good. Now that we've started this podcast and I'm rereading things and I'm looking at stories and characters and authors more with a critical eye now that I'm noticing. And because I read this, reread it, and I knew what the twist was, and I had read The Maidens, <laughs> I didn't and it was funny because I said to you, I was rereading it and I was like, wait, I was like, no, I'm like, why did I, I'm like, why didn't I like this book? Like, I can't remember why I like this mm-hmm. book. And then I, and then I got to, I'm like, oh wait, no, now I remember why I didn't like, this, why I was so perplexed, why everyone loved this book so much mm-hmm. and then whatever. But so now I'm giving it three paintbrushes through the eyeball. That's my okay. final official rating. Official I rating. did rate it high. I did rate it high originally. And that was also around a time in my life where I was just getting back into reading a lot too. So Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, if you're just getting into psychological thrillers, I think this is a really yeah, good one to start I agree. with. I, I actually agree with that. Because it, it is it's very, the elements. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that it's not well written because it is, because I enjoyed it. It flowed. I mm-hmm. was able to, it's a book you don't want to put down. Yes. So I have to give it credit for that. Yes. I have to give a book credit. If you, if you can keep me intrigued and I don't want to DNF you, like then you're, 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 you're doing something right. Yeah. I completely but, agree. But my final resolution is that it wasn't, it wasn't what everyone made it out to be. Yeah. It it's wasn't a gateway that great. psychological thriller. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't as great as I was expecting. And he's just a misogynistic author, and yeah. you, it's it's hard to appreciate an author and their writing when you realize how they write women. Yes, I I completely agree, and I need to stop writing reading books written by men. So, <laughs> so since um can't really cast this one because there's no um real descriptions of the characters there's no description of the characters at all you have um, to like you have to imagine them you have to like completely make them up on the fly in your mind i pictured theo as the author because that's the only image i had <laughs> you in know my what? brain i actually i actually agree with that i think i did the same but, like exact thing. taller and ganglier a little bit yes mm-hmm. so we're gonna do a little treat which we've done before one star goodreads reviews mm-hmm. so Mine is nice and simple. A man named Boris gave yes, this book. This is the one I found too. Found- <laughs> okay. Yes, and I loved it. I screenshot this one, but I have another one. Okay. So Boris gave this book one star, <laughs> and his review says, and I quote, not silent enough, end quote. The best. Had me dead. Had me dead. I agree. Not silent enough. <laughs> what else did yep. you find? <laughs> yep. Uh, so this one was actually, I wouldn't classify it as like funny, like Boris's. Mm-hmm. It was actually a more serious one-star review that I appreciated. Okay. So this was Carol's review. Carol, okay. Okay. Read anything else on your TBR first. Anything. Better yet, delete the silent patient from your TBR. If you do, you'll never know what it feels like to become aware that you could have spent that four <laughs> to five hours reading a great book, or at least a better book. Definitely a book that doesn't do a major disservice to anyone who practices in the mental health field or who lives with a mental health impairment. Maybe even a book that doesn't present misogyny on every page. 
So that summed up our entire podcast. Thank yes. you, Carol. Mm-hmm. That Carol, we love that you. Is we appreciate real, you. A real thing, though. Like we are advocates of therapy. Obviously, we are mm-hmm. you know well versed in the ways of therapy. If yeah. you're not, and you read this book, and you think that that's what therapy is, yeah, that I get why there's been a stigma about therapy for years and years. Okay, because misogynists over here like, have been spreading this propaganda. <sighs> And, like, this dude just sits in, in a room for an hour with Alicia, just not fucking talking to her. And, like, this well, this is not this is not therapy. This is not, this is not, this is, this is doing nothing. You are doing and nothing. And what's the weird, like, she has a headache and now I have a headache? Yeah, like, I can't. What the fuck um, was that? I, because I he's taking, like, do you because remember, a when I have a headache? Yeah, because remember, he's, he's, because t- his therapist says that he'll take on, or a therapist's biggest mistake is that they take on their patient's feelings. And like internalize and what they're them. going through. So how do you know that she has a fucking headache? How do you I, know? <laughs> I, man, what a wild ride. Okay. It was, I'm not mad about rereading it because it was, it was a fun experience to reread it with that critical eye i agree definitely and to to be able to to you know voice opinions about things yeah i definitely agree i'm I'm glad that we covered it i hope that no one is too offended by our opinions because and there's a whole lot of five star reviews too (laughs) and i'm like thinking back and i think that so far every male author book we've done we've rated low brady hendrick stephen graham jones and And all the other ones were women Uh and they were decently rated wow are we surprised (laughs) that this is a feminist podcast nope not me you know what i never would have i never would have like classified myself as feminist but as we do this podcast i'm like i'm like no maybe i am a little bit of a feminist When you recognize that women are more than just their their actions, like yeah. more than just oh they're crazy, oh Barbie was rich and nosy, oh Alicia yeah. was relying on everyone, like then you're like oh wait, this is how men look at us, gross. I know, and I'm like cool. Now I gotta raise a, a daughter in this lovely <laughs> male world. So you know worry, what, Alicia, little feminist aunt. <laughs> No, and she has a really great dad. A really great who is dad. All about women's rights and shit like that. And so who is it'll be is not does not suffer from fragile masculinity. No. So Mm-mm. you're good. Little <laughs> I little know. baby danger's safe. No. Alright, so <laughs> we hope you all enjoyed. That's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, rate and review the podcast on whatever platform. It will really help us out a lot. If you Mm -hmm. have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us. We're fully going crazy after this book. And also we're book fully booked. Damn right. (laughs) Bye. Bye.